0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Vicki Oliver about expecting widespread post-pandemic job hopping and what to do about it. Vicki Oliver, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a conversation today. We're going to be focusing on the impact of the pandemic on the labor market and really what employers need to be doing in expecting widespread post-pandemic job hopping as we move into the future and what they can do about it. Uh, This is a real challenge during the great resignation and people have had the time over the course of the pandemic to consider Uh, their circumstances, consider what they're willing to do, the type of work they're willing to do. And the reality is they have a lot of options right now uh, because of the way the labor market is. And so employers have to do more and more and more to try to attract and retain really great people. So we're going to unpack that. We're going to talk about specifically what organizations and leaders can be doing to try to stem the tide of, of this pandemic and post-pandemic widespread job hopping uh, and hopefully get a hang- handle on it so we can have you know great people in our organizations to do the work of the organization. As we get started, I wanted to share Vicky's bio with everybody. Vicky Oliver is a leading career development expert and multi-bestselling author of five books, including 301 Smart Answers to Tough Interview Questions, named in the top 10 list of best books for HR interview prep. 301 Smart Answers to Tough Business Etiquette Questions, and Bad Bosses, Crazy Workers, and Other Office Idiots. I love that title, by the way. She's a sought-after speaker and seminar presenter and a popular media source, having made over 900 appearances in broadcast, print, and online outlets. And you can find out more about her at vickyoliver.com. Vicky, again, it's a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with my listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in?
1: Uh, First of all, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for that very generous introduction. Um, Sure, I used to be in the advertising business, and when I was in the business, I started by noticing two things. Uh, People had no idea who I was when they would walk in for an interview, and they also had no idea what the ad agency was or what our clients were. So I decided to, uh, I I thought about a hundred times, you know, I'm gonna write a book about job hunting. And then one day I wrote that book. And that's my background. I put my real email address in the book so that people could contact me with any questions that they had if 301 didn't cover it. And I heard from readers all over the country and that informed the research for some of my other books. So that's my little bit about about me.
0: Yeah, that's fun. That's a really cool background. I appreciate that. Uh, and yeah, I think we all have a book in us, and or maybe multiple books in us, and that's great that you were able to share all of your years of experience um, to help other people and other organizations. All right, so let's dive on into the topic for today. Maybe first you can frame up for us a little bit, uh, building on what I said in the introduction about the current circumstance that we find ourselves in uh, during this pandemic. And as you know, I would like to say post-pandemic, but we're not really there yet. Um, and we have a new variant that people are grappling with. So, so we're still in the middle of it, but you know, with any luck we'll, we'll start to emerge. And we've already seen some big implications for the labor market uh, during the last 20 plus months. Um, so what can you tell us, you know, in terms of framing that up?
1: Right, so basically for over a year and a half, most work has gone remote which means a lot of things. First of all, workers don't have the commute that they used to have, right? They have more time to think, I would say. And because of that, they don't have the commute there. They don't have the commute back. They don't have the grind you know, at the actual physical office. They don't have their boss uh, looking over their shoulder as much. Uh, They don't have the water cooler conversation to distract them. And so as a result, I look at it as, Uh, People have looked internally and asked themselves how happy they are at their current jobs, and a lot of times the answer is that they're not that happy, and it could be for many different reasons, it could have happened, you know way before the pandemic, then the pandemic struck, which might have made job hopping a little bit challenging at first right. But then day after day, rolling in, you know, from their living room to their home office uh, to work, they had, I think, more time to think and consider whether or not they actually like their jobs. Do their own values align with the values of a company? And if not, you know, what do they wanna do about it? And as a result, I mean, maybe partly because of the pandemic, there's this pent up need on the, on the part of workers to leave, you know, and it's called the Great Resignation, and everyone now is sort of thinking, like, what can I do? Am I being paid enough? Am I happy enough? Am I being rewarded enough? You know, what else can I do? Also, I just want to make this point. Um, We have been forced to learn technology in a way that we never had to before. We have had to step up, you know, and learn new technology for us, like how do we do Zoom meetings? You know, How do we deal with each other remotely? How do we communicate maybe with workers that are across the country or even across the world? So we've had to adjust to different time zones. Um, There's a lot of learning that's happened in the past year and a half or more, 20 months. Um, And so workers are also more qualified than they've been before. They have more skills that they've amassed that they can take forward to a new job.
0: Yeah, so with all of that, it uh, creates the conditions uh, for tremendous opportunity for employees. And and as you said, in the early days of the pandemic, we saw huge levels of unemployment, not just in the U.S., but around the world, uh, as organizations were grappling with closing down their physical spaces. And um, you you mentioned how so many people are working remotely, um, and certainly within the knowledge economy, knowledge workers. Uh, have gone largely remote or hybrid, um, but there's still, you know, lots of frontline workers who have to be in person, uh, and organizations had to grapple with how to deal with that and to keep them healthy and safe. Um, so in the early days, yeah, it, it was uh, we saw steep declines and uh, employment, and the unemployment rate um, rose dramatically. But over time, that kind of leveled off, and we started to see um, job gains coming back. Uh, and, and really what we've seen over the last, I don't know, six plus months is organizations just cannot fill positions. Uh, many organizations, large organizations have dozens, if not hundreds of open positions that are sitting open that they can't fill. They can't get applicants into the pool. Uh, it's, it's a challenge. And I know, for example, at my own university, uh, we, we have just so many open positions that can't be filled. And so then what happens? Uh, people have to do the work of their colleagues, you know, people who aren't there anymore. Um, so now I'm doing my job plus another person's job and, and, and dealing with the pandemic and everything around that. And so burnout goes up and stress and anxiety and depression and all those sorts of things. All those challenges are increasing. Couple that with people taking the time to really consider you know, is this the right job for me? Does it align with my meaning and purpose and what I want for my career? And seeing the, the labor market pressures that are causing wages to rise. And you can look around and see other people getting really nice paying jobs at other places. I mean, it's just, it's this perfect storm now for for uh, organizations to have a lot of struggle in hiring and for employees, for people to have tons of options. And when that happens, um, it's even more important more than ever that that organizations and leaders within organizations spend a lot of time and energy um and, and be really thoughtful about how they're going to continue to attract and retain great people.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you, you mentioned how you're doing two people's jobs, right? But probably chances are you're not getting twice the salary that you were getting before, right? I'm just guessing. So, so, you know, this, this is happening universally and, um, you know, workers are, are departing in droves.
0: So the question then is, what do we do about it? Uh, how do we respond to this and how can, uh, leaders make their team, their organization a really enticing place, uh, even amidst these market pressures. And maybe you're in an organization where you can't, where, where you're really struggling to keep up with the wage race. Uh, and you're having a hard time, you know, having the same level of salary or hourly wage that you see some of your competitors having, how do you compete with that? And how do you create an environment where you want, where people are going to want to come work with you?
1: Right, right. I mean, so the first thing, it sounds obvious, but I still want to hit it hard. The third, first thing I would say is show appreciation to your workers who are there. Um, again, it sounds like a no brainer, but I would say there are lots of different ways to do this. You know, one thing is to say thank you. Another thing is to say thank you in person if you can do that. If let's say it's all remote, but maybe you can take them out for a breakfast to thank them in person. Um, another way is just to give them recognition within the company. You know, let's say somebody has been working overtime, acknowledge that. Let's say a team has been huddling overtime and very successful, it's really, if you're their manager, it is your job to tell them how much you appreciate them, how much they mean to you, emails, you know, pats on the backs, everything you can think of to acknowledge them. Uh, Because I think a big problem that workers have is that they don't feel very appreciated. And if you are one of those uh, bosses that can show appreciation, I think you are halfway ahead already.
0: Yeah. And so many people feel like they're going above and beyond in their jobs. right? And then I don't know how it's been for you or you know for listeners um, in your organizations, uh, but the, the reality is everyone's dealing with this from the lowest level employee all the way up through executives. And so I get it. And it's really easy for an executive or a middle manager or, or a team lead to think, I'm working my butt off too. And I'm not getting extra pats on the back. I'm not getting extra thank yous, suck it up and do your job. You know, I can, I understand that's how people could approach it, but regardless of how the person you report to is treating you, you still owe it to your team and members of your team to show that level of gratitude and appreciation for the work they're doing that they, and acknowledging that they are going above and beyond. Maybe you are too, and maybe you're not being acknowledged and that sucks. But if you wanna keep good people on your team, it's up to you to share that with them and to, to really show genuine appreciation. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams and organizations.
1: Yeah, and I mean traditionally uh, there've been a lot of surveys that uh, show that workers they appreciate pats on the back, you know, even as much as a raise sometimes even more. So if you just keep that in mind that not everything is monetary and uh, sometimes you can just go a long way by, you know, employee of the week, you know, wit of the week, like this person and putting it in writing, putting it in email, you know, um, letting them know that you care. So that would be like the first number one thing that I would think of for doing. I mean, the second thing is that I would try to think hard about how to inject two things Um, into the culture now. One of them I would say is a spirit of play. And another one I would say is a spirit of camaraderie. And both of these things are going to be more difficult in a remote environment or a hybrid environment. I mean, there is no question about it. If you're meeting in person, it's much, much easier to have a party, you know, to do something fun, to take the day off and, you know, go on a mission retreat, those things. But if you are in a remote environment, having anything be fun or feeling like teamwork is going to be much, much harder. And I think, you know, you need to brainstorm on it and use your imagination and ask, Ask the people who work for you, if you need to, what can we do, you know, so that our meetings are more fun and more entertaining? Because to the extent that you can simulate play and make work fun, I think you will retain people more.
0: Yeah. And fun, it can mean, you know, lightheartedness and people just feeling comfortable enough to to tell jokes and to just be vulnerable with each other. It can mean, you know, having that ping pong table or their hockey table that you take a break and, and go and have a little bit of fun. It can mean that, but, but largely what we mean when we say having fun at work and make, creating an environment of laughter and fun is a, about just having an environment uh, where people feel like they're connecting with their meaning and their purpose uh, and where they're energized because of the work that they're doing. if you're in an environment where you get to try new things, where you get to experiment uh, and you feel safe enough to do that, where you're not going to, it's there's no punitive kind of uh, environment around that uh, that becomes fun, especially when people are doing the work that they're already passionate about. Uh, And so just lean into that, leverage that. And, and you can unlock a lot of hidden potential within your people.
1: Right. I mean, I think that one thing you can do Is you can have teams, you can make it competitive, you can have silly rewards. You know, there's a lot of things you can do that will emulate play that will make people sort of lighten up. And usually, when people are more relaxed, better ideas come out of them too. So it's not like you're wasting time on the play portion. You know, (laughs) you're just creating an environment where people can stretch and throw out ideas and feel. Like they're actually having fun at the office, you know? And I'm just saying, it's harder on Zoom because we're all in little square boxes. But if that's the case, maybe you need to do a breakout room, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit. Or you can start by having an icebreaker, like instead of just launching into the meeting, you know, boom, it's 9 a.m., let's launch into the meeting. You could say, you know, I would like to hear what everybody did over the weekend or, you know, what books are you reading or something like that, just to broaden it and have people feel like, oh, I'm a human being. (laughs) My bosses care about me. You know, they care about me outside of this square on Zoom.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, So we absolutely need to create an environment uh, where people feel like they can Can experiment and have fun and and just be engaged. Uh, We absolutely need to be showing gratitude on a regular basis to our people. Uh, What are some other things that we can do as we're trying to attract and retain the best talent uh, amidst this really tight labor market?
1: Well, I would say, um, you know, to focus on your employees' experience. And by that, I mean the current experience. Like, are they happy? Are they enjoying the work? And I would say if you're a middle manager or above, also try to work out with each of your workers a plan for their growth and development. If they feel like you care about them learning and growing and, you know, getting promoted and getting raises and taking on more responsibility, they will stay with you. You know, what the, what the problem is when they feel like, oh, you know, I'm just like a number, I'm not just a worker, nobody cares, you know, that's where the issue comes in. If you make them feel from day one, that their growth is essential to you. And that in fact, you know, you will be judged on their growth too, right? It's like a win-win because it's also reflecting back on you. So you're both like, they're both pushing together on their growth. I think that will you know, really, really help. Additionally, I just want to uh, make a point about feedback because this doesn't mean, I'm not suggesting that as a boss, you have to give people 100% perfect feedback every time, you know, the proverbial A on the report card, that is not true. If you, if somebody needs like development help, it's incumbent on you to help them realize a way that they can get better at their jobs, as well. So I just want to take a little bit of a a quick detour and just say, you know, when you're giving feedback to people, it should be constructive. It should be like, I would start with uh, what they're doing right first. And then I would uh, frame it in a way that they're doing, you know, well, but they can do it even better if X, Y, and Z, you know, and that you, you As their boss are like a coach. If you think of yourself as a coach rather than just their supervisor, I think it puts you in the right frame of mind, you know, because coaches are always looking for ways for their people to improve, but they're still like respected, you know, they're still an authority figure. And I think if you say, I'm a coach and I'm going to coach my team, my people to success. And one-on-one, if you say to somebody, I'm going to make you be the best you can be, and we're going to work on it together, you know, I think that those things really help go a long way.
0: It also embedded in that coaching approach and mentality is the genuine desire to support your people as they're developing, right? So as you're giving this feedback that you were just talking about, if you're taking a, a coaching and mentoring approach, your people are going to feel that you care about them, that this isn't punitive, that you really do want to see them succeed and that you're gonna help them get there. You're gonna support them as they go through the developmental stages. Uh, and when you, well, yeah, when you can do that, I mean, that that really uh, can unlock a lot of potential with your people. And as you mentioned, the performance of our people reflects well on them, of course, uh, because it's their job and and they want to do well so they can progress either in the company or move to a different opportunity at some point. But your job as a leader, that's exactly what your job is, to unlock the potential of your people and to help them be successful and uh, individually and collectively. So it absolutely makes you look better as a leader and will give you a chance to also uh, advance in your career. So it really is a Um, win-win. It's so interesting to me when I hear leaders talk about not being willing to invest in their people uh, because they feel like it's a waste of time. Like, well, what else are you doing? That's your job. (laughs) And if you're not doing that, you're going to have poor performance. And lo and behold, you're, you're not going to look like a very good leader.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I also wanted to kind of hit that word mentor a little bit uh, harder too, because I think that typically workers feel like they wish that their bosses would mentor them, their direct supervisors would mentor them. And sometimes they feel frustrated that they're not getting the attention that they need. But another thing Like if you have a lot of people working for you, another thing you can do is you can encourage them to find a mentor within the company, somebody in addition to you, so that you don't feel like, oh, you're always burdened with all the mentoring, like, let's say you, you know, you have 25 people working for you you can encourage, you could even, if you wanted to, develop a mentoring system within your team or your company. And I just want to say mentor does not have to be somebody older, somebody who makes more money. You know, it can be somebody of any age and colleagues can mentor each other. I mean, it's really like, what is a mentor? A mentor is somebody who cares about someone's development, who isn't competing with them personally, you know, and who will just give them great advice, I think. So if you if you feel burdened and you're a boss, I would say try to think of a way to match up your people with a mentor or even an equal of theirs where they can talk to each other about any issues that they might have, you know? I think mentoring, like in companies where there are mentors, people are much happier. And I think with a little bit of ingenuity and imagination, you can figure it out. So it works for your people too.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Well said. Well, Vicki, I'm noticing the time and I'm going to have to let you go here in a few minutes. This has been a really fascinating conversation with lots of good ideas. I think that'll be very helpful to listeners. Before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Okay, thank you so much. Uh, My name is Vicki Oliver. You can get in touch with me at VickyOliver.com. It's pretty easy. It's Vicky with a Y, Oliver.com. It talks about my books. Um, They're available on Amazon and other places where books are sold. Um, And as a final word on it, I would just say, you know, put yourself in the other person's shoes, you know, put their Hans on or whatever shoes they're wearing today, sneakers, you know, Nikes. Think on if you were working for yourself what would you advocate you know be think of yourself as the perfect arbiter of what a great boss is and you're an ambassador for your company you're the boss of bosses you know and think of yourself that way and just try to grow as a boss and i think you will
0: yeah i think so too I love it. Thank you, Vicki. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Vicki can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership